Matthew 16, if you have your Bibles. Matthew 16. I uh, was thinking about Christmas, and it's Christmas, of course, tomorrow. And uh, Christmas, of course, literally comes from a Latin term, the celebration mass of Christ. That we're celebrating Jesus. But in American culture back in the 1970s and 80s, it became Xmas. Simply an X instead of Christ to celebrate kind of the mystery of whatever X means to you. That, of course, has disintegrated into simply the term Happy Holidays. And I told, I mentioned recently, I don't say that. If people say happy holidays to me, I say back to them, Merry Christmas. And I'm amazed at how many then reply, Merry Christmas. Because you know what? People don't like all that political correctness, but all that. But the basic understanding of what is, we've seen this holiday transpire or transmorph into, if you will, is actually at the heart of human beings. Because the real issue of Christmas isn't necessarily, if you say, Happy Holidays, Merry Xmas, Merry Christmas, whatever. It is, who is Jesus? Who is he? Who is that baby that was born in a manger? That's far more important than necessarily how you approach a holiday or a social setting. Identity is important. Every one of us has heard about the issue of identity theft. That this is a uh, major problem now. Wikipedia defines this as identity theft is the form of stealing someone's identity in which to pretend to be someone else. And by assuming that identity, typically in order to uh, access uh, uh, resources or obtain credit or other benefits in that person's name. But the theft of the identity of Jesus is very, very important. Who is he to you? Because this will determine much of where you spend eternity. Matthew 16, Jesus is asking his disciples, beginning in verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? Well, they replied, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some say Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. Then he asked them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed, you are blessed, Simon, Son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Christianity, and I've mentioned this before, we'll mention it again, because it is the fundamental basis of Christianity, is who is Jesus Christ? 
You can talk about his teachings. I try to keep the golden rule. I like some of Jesus' teachings. And they'll talk about him simply as a prophet or a teacher or someone who is wise. And we've had wise people throughout our generations, quotes. I've often joked that if you don't know who a quote is, you either attribute it to Abraham Lincoln Winston Churchill or uh, Mark Twain, and you'll be pretty safe because uh, a lot of quotes in human in the English language come from those three. But mostly the understanding is not necessarily the teachings of Jesus, but who is this baby to you? That when he was born and we celebrate his birthday tomorrow, whether it's the actual birth date or not, again, I don't know. I don't I don't. It doesn't really matter. The point is that we're celebrating it. All religions have a prophet, a teacher, an individual at the focus. And often they wrote books. They gave doctrines, whether that's Muhammad or Joseph Smith or, or uh, Mary Baker Eddy or, and, you know, numbers of other people we could go through. But the more important issue is not What did Jesus say as much as who he is? That being said, I'm not dismissing his teachings. You have to understand if you believe he is the Messiah, then his teachings become very important. But who is he to you? Who do you say he is? If you look up the word in the dictionary, the number one definition of Jesus Christ will be the Lord Savior, the founder of the Christian faith. The next definition of Jesus Christ is a curse word. For instance, you hit your finger with a hammer and you use his name as a curse word. Our our day has been trying to redefine him. Back in the day when I was first a Christian, a movie came out called The Temptation of Christ. This was followed up by another insane book, followed by a movie called The Da Vinci Code, where they're trying to redefine Jesus, that he actually married Mary Magdalene and went on to have children, and that uh, uh, others say they have to redefine him. The Muslims don't believe he actually died upon the cross. They believe that Judas was cursed to look like Jesus. They crucified Judas, not Jesus. That's why he was seen after the resurrection. They're trying to redefine who he is. The Mormons will tell you he was a prophet. The Jehovah Witnesses will tell you that he is a lesser God. They're constantly trying to redefine who Jesus is. See, Christianity is based on this truth. And without that, the rest of the Bible is null and void. Jesus is the center of both the New Testament and the Old Testament. All the Old Testament's pointing to Jesus. All the New Testament's pointing back to Jesus. He's the center of Christianity. That's why the Bible says over and over, Romans 10.13 is one of them, those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. It doesn't say you have to do 15 juggling acts and 15 Hail Marys, 22 Our Fathers, sit on, stand on your head for a while, levitate, give all your money away. It doesn't say that. 
It says you have to acknowledge who Jesus Christ, this baby that we celebrate tomorrow, who he is. Because this is a very personal question. When he asked this question to his disciples, who do men say that I am? We would get the same answers today. A prophet, a good man, a religious man. But who do you say? This is a personal question you have to answer. You have to look at the evidence. Let's look at the evidence. Who is Jesus? When I was in Ireland, a man... A uh, very bizarre man. He, he had, he, the, he, you ever meet these people that everything is a conspiracy? I mean, everything is a conspiracy. Like, uh, you know, and, you know, the Illuminati and they they run the whole thing. It's like, whoa, dude, you know what? You either took too many drugs as a kid, dropped in your head, or you're just whacked. I don't know which it is. Right? Everything's a conspiracy. The, the government, the big business, it's all that. That's what this guy was. And he asked me, he said, well, why do you believe in it? I was, we were showing the movie Cross and the Switchblade. And he was telling me, oh, well, Nicky Cruz just made that all up. And he just did this for money. And because he, you know, needed to get out of the gang. He was getting too old. He didn't want to get killed. Da, da, da. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. I said, I believe in that for three reasons. One is the Bible confirms it. The second is I've experienced it. And the third is millions of others have experienced it. That I can line up those three. The Bible, John 1, 1 through 3, in the beginning, the Word already existed, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he existed in the beginning with God. He create, God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. John, looking back to the gospels in 1 John 1, 1 and 2 says, We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have seen and heard. We saw him with our own eyes. We touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This is the one who is life itself, was revealed to us, and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life, and he is with the Father. Then he was revealed to us. See, Jesus is not just a good man. He was a good man. He's not just a prophet. He was a prophet. But he is also the son of the living God. He is God in the flesh. He is the Messiah, the risen Savior. That is very important. Christianity, even Christians are losing that. They're moving away from that. The testimony, John 2, 2 John rather, 2 John chapter 1, verse 7. I say this... Because many deceivers have gone into the world, they deny that Jesus Christ came in a real body. Such a person is a deceiver and an antichrist. 
Now, what he's saying there is that, you know, historically, we have Christmas tomorrow. Much of the world, I understand the Muslim world, the Hindu world, the communist world, they may not celebrate it. The Orthodox world, they pass by Christmas. They celebrate more on January 6th in the tradition of the when the wise men came, and that will be their holiday. I understand all that. But we still, 2,000 years later, internationally, there is no international figure that is celebrated like Jesus Christ. That, you know what, if you go to Holland, it's going to be a day off. If you go to Germany, if you go to Nigeria, if you go to Brazil, it's going to be a day off. There is no other. We might honor different people, different birthday. We will take off Martin Luther King's birthday. We'll take off one day for all the president's birthdays. Uh, I get that. Uh, We celebrate those. uh, But you know what? They don't in Canada. They don't. Historically, Jesus came. You'd be a fool to argue against that. More evidence Jesus walked the earth than Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean. And I happen to believe that Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean. But what John is saying is not that they're denying that a man named Jesus was born. They're denying who he is. They're a deceiver. They're an antichrist. And again, he's not talking about just a sinner who's just living their lives in sin. He's talking about people who teach this. You can have a personal experience. This can come in numbers of different ways. There was a man named Saul. He was a Christian killer. He was actually destroying, trying to work against the church. At one point, he said that you think you were a sinner. (laughs) I was the chief, I was the king, I was the one way ahead of you. You were living for your own pleasure. I was working against the purposes of God. John, This man, Acts 9, verses 3 through 6, as he was approaching Damascus on a mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone, shone around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one whom you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and it will be told what you must do. Here's the Christian killer with one encounter with who Jesus is. Who are you, Lord? His life has changed. Peter, it's a miracle. He sees the fish caught in Luke chapter 5 and falls to his knees and says, Depart from me. I am a sinful man. Others have different kinds of experience. Uh, Timothy grew up uh, in Christianity, uh, which was uh, his mother was converted. Uh, He was a young boy when she was converted, uh, and eventually he would go on. uh, And so his experience was probably he grew up with it. Some people, it's a witness. Uh, Some people, it's their own uh, God dealing with them like the Ethiopian eunuch uh, who he would read about just later on in chapter 9. That as he's reading the scriptures, he's interested, he's thinking about this, uh, but he needs someone to explain it to him. 
on and on we could go, but a personal experience. Because it's not just a doctrine. It's not just a belief. It's not just that, well, we believe this, and the Catholics believe that, and the Muslims believe what. It's not just that. I was a sinner. I was lost in my sin. I was confused. I was tormented. There were problems in my life. Brokenheartedness. And in one moment of time, I knew that Jesus was real. July 24th, 22nd, 1984. Now, you may not know the day. The hour, the time, that's not the issue. The issue is, can you say you met Jesus and your life was changed? It's a personal experience. It's not just a doctrine. Say, so I, I talk to people, are you a Christian? Yeah, I'm a Christian. But they're living with their boyfriend or girlfriend. They're smoking marijuana because it's legal now. And they're, you know, they're doing whatever they do. then you haven't been born again, changed. Because Jesus and knowing who he is, is the only way to eternal life. John 17 is Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's a fascinating study in, a, in a, just a foundation of Christianity experience. And in that prayer in verse 3 of John 17, he says, And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, he's speaking to the Father, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. That eternal life is not based on your good works versus what you did bad. Well, I'm generally a good person. It's not based on whether you were baptized as a baby. I was baptized as a baby as a Catholic. You know what that meant to me in my teenage years? Nothing. It's not based on what church you claim membership in. It's based on being born again having a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's how you have eternal life. That you may know the Father and Jesus Christ who he sent. The evidence of this is a changed life. How do we know that you've had, that you can say like Peter... You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. It's because you've been changed. Not because of rules. Some people, it's like, i got to serve God, i got to do the rules. You know what? If you're saved, they're not rules. It's relationship. Before I was married... I was free to pursue other relationships. When I got married, I go, man, I can't, oh, I can't date any. 
Gee whiz. It's not the way it's supposed to work. If, it, if that's the way it works for you, I'm, I'm terribly sorry. And you can talk to me about a couple of books I could help you read. But the reality of relationship, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to do for one that you're in relationship with. First, second Corinthians 517. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. His old life is gone. A new life has begun. See, there's evidence when you believe Jesus Christ is Lord. There's evidence in your life that that is real. There's tangible facts that could be seen that your belief is not just lip service, but lifestyle. The change, old things are gone. Life is new. Doesn't mean you're perfect, but does mean the major direction of your life and the major habits that you practice are changed. They're different. Not because you have to, but because I met Jesus. I met Jesus. You know why I pray? Not because I have to. Because I get to talk to the one I love. You know why I give and tithe? Not because I have to. Because it's a privilege to honor my King and Savior. I could talk about evangelizing. I could talk about... If your life is just, I have to, and you can get saved. Because Christianity isn't about what you have to do. It's about the privilege of doing it. Why? Because of who he is. Who that baby would grow up to be. It's a privilege. My sins are forgiven, not because I paid for them, figured it out. Luke 5, 20 through 25, seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. But the Pharisees, the religious, and we'll talk a little bit about them tonight. And the teachers of the law said to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked, Why do you question in your hearts? Is it easier for sins, your sins to be forgiven, or stand up and walk? So I'll prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. And immediately everyone watched the man jump up, pick up his mat, and he went home praising God. Jesus has the power to forgive you. Guilt and shame dominate our nation. That's why people, many, many people, have to take medication to sleep, have to take medication just to function during the day. You know, let me just tell you this, 
And you can Google me if you want, but there is no such thing as a chemical imbalance. That's a made-up term to make people feel good about having to take medication. Check it out if you want. It's not a real thing. Listen, I have a real problem with those meds. I've seen the destruction to the point where I've lost loved ones because one of the side effects is those is suicidal thoughts. I am no fan. Most of the time, it's an issue of forgiveness. I had a dear pastor's wife, good friend, really do love her and appreciate her. Her husband, they're tremendous people. She called me up one time about a woman in the Prescott Church when I was on staff, and she said, well, I think this woman, you know, don't you believe in that? I said, no. I said, a lot of times it's to cover up the guilt and shame, and sure enough, This woman wasn't confessing a sin that she had been involved in. She had been immoral and she wasn't dealing with it. When she finally confessed it, she set free. People need their sins forgiven. He's the judge. He's the Lord. So he can do it. See, that's one of the benefits of knowing Jesus or to put it in terms that some of you can understand, as John put it, but this is the KJS version, not the KJV, which is the King James Bible. It's the Keith Sullivan, Keith John Sullivan version. But anyway, I know a really good Jewish lawyer who can get you off. His name is Jesus. And he'll get you off of your sins. Through his blood, through his sacrifice, through what he did on the cross. Because you have to answer this question. Who do you say he is? Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you openly declare that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him up from the dead, you will be saved. For it is believing in your heart that one is made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Who do you say he is? Is he Jesus the Messiah? Or is he Lord? When you make that decision, much of your life will make sense then. Before sin, it will never will. I close with this in the book, Behind the Mask. The uh, biographer Peter Evans wrote about an actor. His name was Peter Sellers. Peter Sellers, for many of you who are young, You wouldn't know who he is. He was really made famous by being the original Pink Panther in the Pink Panther movies. He had played so many roles so many times. Peter Evans says that 
Sellers wasn't sure of his identity. He was once approached by a fan and he said, are you Peter Sellers? And Sellers briskly answered, no, not today, and walked on. Identity is important, yours and Jesus's. Who is Jesus to you? Who do you say he is? Let's bow our heads for just a moment. Every head bowed for just a moment of time. Christmas is a time we celebrate Jesus. The celebration of the Christ. What that child came to do was not just to give us a couple of days off a year. But it was to bring us to the place where we would be changed. You can leave here with your sins forgiven. Not because the potter's house has some special little way of doing it that other churches do. We don't. We introduce you to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. He can change your life in a moment of time. The response is yours. Some say he's a prophet. Some say he's a good man, a good teacher. Who do you say he is? That begins with a surrendered heart and say, I need to ask Jesus Christ in my heart. I need to have my sins forgiven. I need God to do a miracle for me. And he's willing to do that for you. He's willing to touch you. He's willing to help you. He's willing to reach out. He has power to forgive your sins here on earth. You don't have to earn it, pay for it, be good enough for it, do enough sacrifice to get that God's attention. Just have to respond to it. And if that's you this morning, you're not right with God, you're not saved, you're not a Christian, I wonder if you'd be willing to say, you know what, I need Jesus. Would you pray for me? Do that by slipping up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not right with God. I'm not saved. I'm not a Christian. I, I've lived as if Jesus is just a good man. I've not made him my, my Lord, my Christ, my Messiah, my King. And I need to do that. Slip up your hand. Pray for me. Maybe you're backslidden. You took it back. He once was your Lord, but now he's not. And the way you can tell is, are you serving God because you have to do these things? You've lost the relationship. It's become ritual. It's become religion. You can experience Jesus again. That's you. Slip up your hand. Pray for me. I'm not saved. I'm not, I'm backslidden. I need Jesus. Anyone at all. Very quickly. Who do you say he is? I'm going to move on in just a moment. But you want prayer. Slip up your hand very quickly. Changing the call then to Christians. 
at the center of Christianity, the heart of Christianity. Who is Jesus to you? Is he just a prophet? Just teachings? Or is he Lord? Do you have that relationship with him? It's very, very important in our lives. We establish who he is. The testimony, what the Bible declares about him. Because you can't, if you, if you throw that out of the Bible, then you may as well throw away the whole Bible. Doesn't make sense. Amen. Let's all stand. These altars are open. If you want to find a place to pray, if you know someone's not right with God, encourage them to make, get their heart right with God. Let's sing out and worship His name. Take me past the outer courts. Into the holy place, past the brazen altar. Lord, I want to see your face. And pass me by the crowds of people. And the priests to sing your praise. Hunger and I thirst for your righteousness. But it's only found in one place. Take me into the Record and through the holy place and past the praise and altar. Lord, I want to see your face and pass me by the crowds of people and the priests who sing your praise. I hunger and I thirst for your righteousness, but it's only found in one place. And take me. Take me in by the blood and of the Lamb. And take me into the Holy of Holies. And take a call and cleanse my lips. Take me past the outer courts. And take me past the outer courts. And through the holy place. And past the brazen altar, Lord, I want to see your face. And pass me by the crowds of people, and the priests who sing your praise. I hunger and I thirst for your righteousness, but it's only found in one place. And take me into the holy of holies, and take me. Sing that one last time. Take me in. And take me into the hole.